Amen. Well, good morning. Children's Church. Children, you are dismissed at Children's Church. Amen. Praise the Lord. Isn't God good to us? What a God we serve. What a God we serve. Wonderful just to praise the Lord. Just to sing and worship God. Amen. If you have your Bibles, if you would go to Psalm 63. Psalm chapter 63. Let's begin with verse number 1. Psalm 63 and verse number 1. A Psalm of David when he was in the desert of Judah. O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. I've seen you in the sanctuary and I've beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will praise or glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied. Man, praise ought to satisfy our soul. Amen. My soul will be satisfied as with the riches of food, with singing lips. My mouth will praise you. On my bed I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. Those who seek my life will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth and they'll be given over to the sword and become food for the jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. All who swear by God's name will praise him. Well, the mouths of liars will be silenced. Can you, we say amen to the reading of God's Word. I want to use as a title this morning, Streams in the Desert. The streams in the desert are learning from David how to respond to the dry places of life. Let's begin with a story, familiar story. A plumber was called to fix a leak. And he looked at the pipe and then he gripped the hammer with both hands. And he struck the pipe as hard as he could. Immediately, the leak stopped. He presented the customer with the bill. $250.35. The owner was furious. This is outrageous. You were here for two minutes, and all you did was hit the pipe. Well, the plumber wanted to satisfy a customer, so he itemized the bill. Wear and tear on the hammer, $0.35. Knowing where to hit, $250. How many know knowledge is power? The Bible says of David that he was a man after God's own heart. And he had many, many mountains and valleys in his life. And God allowed them to be recorded in the Scripture for our education and our encouragement. And this morning, I pray we can learn from David how to respond to the wilderness or the desert experiences in life. In our story, David is um, going through one of those dry, rough times in his turbulent life. He was driven from his throne by his own son, Absalom, by his nephew, Amasa, and by his trusted friend and his counselor, Ahitophel. And he's forced to flee the city of Jerusalem, the city that he loves so much, and he heads into the wilderness. And it's a bitter and a barren land, both physically and emotionally. It's a depressing time and a depressing place. It's away from the comforts of his magnificent castle and his palace and away from the love and the companionship of his family, away from the wealth and the privilege of being king. It's a painful experience for David. He's forced to flee and hide in a wilderness, not because of some foreign enemy, 
Not because of some political rival, but because of a rebellion led by his own son. How that must have pierced his heart. A wilderness situation. And what did David miss the most in this desert experience? From our text, we see that it was not the palace, the throne. It wasn't even the family and friends. It wasn't the comfort of his wealth and his power. What he misses most, what he values the most, is the house in the presence of God. Lord, give us such a value system. Do you miss church when you can't make it? Do you miss the house of God when you can't be here? This um, psalm is very revealing to us. It reveals David's true character and David's true nature. David was a king. He had it all. Yet he tells us in Psalm 27 and verse 4, he says, One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that's something that I will seek after, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold His beauty and to inquire in His temple. David, he had it all. He was king and he had riches and power and all the delights you could think of. But he says, the one thing I desire above them all is that I might seek the Lord and meet with the Lord and dwell in the house of the Lord and enjoy the presence of my Lord. That was David. That was his nature. That was his heart. David was the one that said, I was glad when they said unto me, let's go to the house of God. I found it a joyful thing. I found it an exciting time when we could go together and enter God's house and sing God's praises, encourage one another in the Lord. Oh, David, he missed mostly, the Bible tells us, the house of the Lord. And may we never cease having a burning love for God's house and the gathering together of His people on His day. For in God's house, we enjoy, praise God, the support of the family. In God's house, we enjoy the flowing of God's Spirit. In God's house, there's the singing of His praises and the mighty working of His wonders and His Word. In the house of the Lord, you and I find refuge from the battles and the storms of life. It's in the house of the Lord that people are saved and bondages are broken and burdens are lifted and sobs of sorrow are turned into shouts of joy. It's in the house of the Lord where lives are mended and new power and grace is imparted in the name, the glorious name of Jesus is exalted and praised and honored in the house of the Lord. God meets us in His house, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, thank God He does. He meets us in His house. God meets us when we gather in His name. He said, if just two or three are there, I'm going to be there. Now, God meets us when we draw near to Him with our prayer and with our praise and our worship and our adoration. He says, if you'll draw near to Me, God says, I will draw near to you and I will touch you and I will speak to you and I will help you. If you'll honor Me in My house on My day, I will not fail you. I'll show Myself faithful to you. You can bring Me every burden. You can bring Me every pain. You can bring Me every perplexity and I will heal you and I will counsel you and I will encourage you. Oh, in the house of the Lord, not only do we meet with one another, but oh, we meet with the living God. What a privilege and a pleasure to meet the living God. Oh, what a day. For the power and the presence of God, He descends on such gatherings. He moves in the midst of such offerings. He extends His hand and He releases His power. 
It is a thrill. It is a privilege. It is a pleasure to meet with God and to enjoy the presence of God. Can you say amen? So whether you're enjoying a mountaintop experience or you're going through a desert experience, let the house of God forever be your love and your longing, your priority and your pleasure. It can't be replaced by anything else. Heads of homes, hear me, write it down and never forget it. Make the house of God your family's priority and practice. The greatest investment you'll ever make. It is written in Hebrews 10 and verse 25. This is a New Testament verse. Hebrews 10 and verse 25. Let us not give up meeting together. The word give up means abandon. Abandoning the post, abandoning the ship, deserting. Let us not desert meeting together as some are in the bad habit of doing. Even back then, they thought they should sleep in on Sunday, sleep in some other day, come to God's house. Get your kids in Sunday school. It's cheaper than divorce court. Get your kids in Sunday school. Tell them to go and learn something. Amen? Come on, say amen. Don't drop them off, bring them. Sit with them. Let us not give up meeting together. The Bible is very clear. Sunday's God's day, not yours. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit. And it's not a good habit. But it becomes a habit of doing. But instead, let us encourage one another. And all the more, as you see the day approaching, honor God's house when you get there, lift someone up. Honor God's house and come ready to pour into someone's life. Honor God's house and get ready to praise Him, but also get ready to encourage the brethren. Get ready to lock arms with a brother and sister and pray with them and pray for them. Get ready to come and just with your smile, with your gift, with your talent, encourage someone else. Get ready with an attitude that says, Lord, I want to bless you, but let me be a blessing to someone else when I go to your house. Let me somehow lift up someone that maybe had a bad week. Lord, use me on this Lord's day, not just to bless you, but also to bless my brother or sister. They might Really be carrying a burden. Help me, Lord, to lift them up. Use me to encourage. The Bible says, come to my house and lift me up, but then encourage one another. Oh, the family of God. We need one another. We need to believe God together. We need to seek God together. We need to pray and believe for the promises to come to pass. We need to rally our faith and seek our Father like we've never sought Him before, that He might visit us in a way and a measure we've never experienced. Oh, somebody say amen. Hallelujah. Streams in the desert are learning from David how to respond to life's deserts. Notice that David does not look back with regrets at the mistakes he made as a father or complain at the discomfort and the frustration of the wilderness. Now, directly and indirectly, much of what David's going through is because of his own mistakes and his reaping. He's reaping. But instead of looking at that, he looks to God. He reaffirms his faith and love in the Lord. Now, we should be honest and acknowledge. Acknowledge is the Bible word for confess. We should be honest and acknowledge our mistakes. Turn from them. That's repentance. We should acknowledge them. We should confess them. We should repent, turn from them. We should get forgiveness and make them right. Not just forget, learn from them, of course. But then, don't let them cripple and enslave you for the rest of your life. 
Don't lay down and die. Don't wallow in life's unfairness. Don't wallow in the consequences that come when we do dumb things. Instead, activate your faith, receive God's grace, and go forward into a new day, trusting God for a new beginning, trusting God for a better ending, believing that He that began a good work, He'll complete it. So when you miss the mark, don't wallow in it. Take ownership of it. Get forgiveness for it. Make things right with the brethren. Then let it die and press on and walk with God. Verse 1, a wonderful expression of the heart of David. A wonderful expression of the heart of David. He's in the desert of Judah, one of the most barren, dry places on the face of the earth. And he uses it as really a poetic background for his condition apart from God. He says, you know what a man of God or a woman of God feels like when they can't go to church? Now the carnal, they don't feel this way because they're, they're not there. But when you're a spiritual person, you know. When you miss God's house, you miss something. Now you know that when you're a spiritual person. Someone says, I'm not there yet. Well, have a fresh encounter with God. Say, Lord, give me a hunger and a thirst. Stir me up, Lord. Oh, my. David says, when I can't meet with you, God, I feel like I'm in a desert without any water. Things are dry. Things are pale. There's no freshness. There's no joy. Oh, this is the expression. He's been driven and uprooted from Jerusalem where God was present in the sanctuary where He would regularly worship and behold the glory of God. And He sees Himself now as thirsting for God as a man would thirst in the desert without any water. And we see in verse 1a how David is at one time he's calling out to God in prayer while he's also confessing his faith to God in prayer. He's saying, this God is my God. I live in personal relationship with this God. And this relationship is the priority of my life. At a time when David could have been overwhelmed, he could have been angry, he could have just given in to despair, he starts to actually stir himself up and get excited about God. He begins to encourage himself in the Lord. He doesn't allow the pain of the betrayal of his own son or his own loved ones to get the best of him. He doesn't blame God for things that really he brought on himself anyhow. But he chooses instead to encourage himself in God and to stir himself up in God. See, David knew where his strength came from. David knew where the blessings of his life flowed from. And that came from his walk with God. That came from his intimacy with his God. He starts to turn a wilderness situation into a worship experience. And he learns how to turn things around. And we can turn things around even in the deserts of life. Even when we have to take the the way of the wilderness, we can still enjoy the presence and the goodness of God when I'm walking through the hardships of life. He won't leave me and He won't forsake me. And if I recognize His presence is with me, even then, even there, I can praise Him and walk with a greater grace by Him. Can We can turn it around. For the attitude and response of faith is always within our power. Can't control a whole lot of things in this life. But I can control my attitude and I can control my faith. That's in my ballpark. Amen? Amen. My praise isn't dependent on you. Amen? My, my, and I know no, I can praise Him. Look at verse 1a. Verse, oh God, you are my God. Oh God, 1a. Oh God, you are my God. There's two meanings here. Number one, my God is the true and living God. 
For the word here for God is the Hebrew word for Creator God. The covenant-keeping God. The faithful God. He says, the heavens declare the glory of my God. He is the one that calls the stars by name. That's my God. And when I pray, He answers my cry. And when I'm lonely, He draws close and He comforts me. When I'm afflicted, He heals me. My God is real and I appeal to Him. I take my case and I cast my burden upon the true and living God. He starts out, Oh God, oh true and living God, You are my God. Is He your God? (laughs) I said, is He your God? Uh, Is He the one you call upon in the desert of your days? Is He the one you look to in your hour of trouble? Is He the one you bring your praise and your worship to? Oh, glory be to God. He can't just be Grandma's God and He can't just be Uncle so-and-so's God. He's got to be your God. David went on to write later on, The Lord is my shepherd. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Make sure He's your shepherd and that He knows your name and you know His. Oh, He is my God and I won't serve... And I will not give my allegiance to anyone else. He's my God. And I won't grant my confidence or devotion to anyone else. My very life belongs to Him. Oh God, You are my God. And I won't and I don't serve any other God. I won't serve the gods of the Philistines or the Amorites. I don't belong to the gods of this present age of materialism, humanism, hedonism, relativism. Ritual, convenience, oh God, you're my God. And this desert experience won't change that. I'm not going to bail on God just because times get tough. I'm not going to bail on my walk with Jesus just because things are unkind and I don't get my way. Listen, David is surrounded by a desert. But the desert will never penetrate or contaminate him. He declares, oh God, you are my God, even here, even now. And there's a key here. There's a key for all of us. Because the ship can go through the water or through the storm. That's okay. As long as the storm and the water don't get in the ship. Then we got a problem. Then we got a problem. You see, you and I can't avoid the storm, so don't bellyache about them. They're part of life. The good, the bad, and the ugly. We're going to face them, so make up my mind I'm going to face it in faith. I'm going to go through and I'm going to keep my song and I'm going to keep my joy and I'm going to keep my character and I'm going to keep my confession. You see, you can go through things without those things getting in your boat. What do you mean in my boat? Well, in your mind, in your speech, in your attitude, in your vision, in your heart. So I also guard your heart. Monitor your mouth. Verse 1a, my God, the true and living God, He is the one I trust. He is the one I serve. The situation was hard. The situation was unkind and unfair. But David says, I serve the living God. I serve the God who parted the seas from Moses. And He still makes a way where there seems to be no way. I serve the God who walked in the flames of fire with the three Hebrew children. And He still escorts His chosen ones through the fiery trials of this life. We serve the God 
who muzzled the mouths of lions for Daniel, and he still silences the roar of our accuser. We serve the God who provided for millions and millions of His people for 40 years in the desert, and He'll provide for me, and He will provide for you, for Jehovah Jireh will never fail His own. Oh, glory be to God. We serve the God that sent His only begotten Son to die on the cross, not for His sin, but for your sin, and for your sin, and for my sin, that we might be forgiven, and we might be clean, and the horrible things we did, God would remember no more. Oh, we serve the God that went to Calvary and shed His blood, that you and I might be sons and daughters of the living God, that you and I might be more than conquerors in this world and in the world to come. Can you give them a praise? Oh, hallelujah. Yes, Lord, we thank God that the one we worship in this sanctuary is with us in the difficulty. And He gives us songs in the night and He gives us peace in the midst of the storm. And when we respond like David responded, He'll give us streams in our desert. Streams of grace and streams of comfort. Streams of strength to bring us through. Somebody, Jesus is your answer. The desert doesn't have to defeat you. And the wilderness doesn't have to win. I want to encourage you to call on the Lord. To draw near to Jesus. Come to Him and pour out your heart. Don't just give Him a nod. Pour out your heart. Have a little talk with Jesus. Draw near and cry out. And He'll help you. And He'll encourage you. And He'll bring you through in the desert of your days. Call on Him and cling to Him. And He will. Prove Himself faithful to you. Verse 1a, O God, You are my God. 1b, early or earnestly I seek Thee. Now the verb seek is an unusual verb in that it's related to the Hebrew word noun or dawn. Hence you'll see two translations in various Bibles. You'll see early and earnestly. It really means to seek with longing. The emphasis being on priority and intensity. We can look at it two ways. Early in the day or the first thing I do, earnestly I seek you. Earnestly I seek you. Seeking God earnestly. Seeking God first things first is a necessity for the overcoming life. You can't have the overcoming Christian life with having a proper time of prayer and seeking God and giving God His first place. For we're called to fight the good fight. We're called to take a stand, having done all to stand our ground. For there are burdens to carry, and there are giants to whip, and there are tasks to complete. And this demands prayer. It demands meeting and receiving daily with God. It demands the first things first. I remember a story some years ago that illustrated this pretty well. Back in the days, remember the days when you used to have to wind your watch? Anybody remember those days? Amen. Dating ourselves here. Maybe I had to get up and wind your watch. Remember that? Yeah. Wind your watch. Well, a pastor's watch wasn't working too well, so he brought it to the jeweler. Jeweler looked at it and said, what do you do, run a jackhammer for a living? And he said, no, I'm a preacher. But anyway, um, he left it there and came back a week later. Jeweler gave him some advice. He says, listen, I got your watch running great. But the first thing every morning, wind your watch. Tell your neighbor to wind your watch. No, I'm going to wind your watch. The jeweler went on to say, because when, when the spring gets tight, it helps it to survive the shocks 
in the turmoil you're obviously putting it through. David said, early or earnestly, I will seek thee. The message to you and I, pray first. It winds your soul for the turmoil of the day. It gets you ready to handle the shocks and strains of the coming day. When you learn first things first, to wind your watch with God, to wind your soul, it, it's, um, there's less breakdown, there's less collapse, there's less time in the shop getting fixed, there's less time in the penalty box getting, 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 um, um, disciplined. So start your day with God and then end your day with God. Beautiful bookends for the overcoming life. Can you say amen? Oh God, you are my God. Early and earnestly I seek thee. My soul thirst. For you, my body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. One sea, my soul thirsts for you. Thirst is used in the Word of God throughout the Scripture as the best metaphor to understand the deep spiritual yearning we have and we should have for God. As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs and thirsts after thee. Blessed are they the hunger and thirst after righteousness. They shall be filled. Jesus said, if anyone thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Now there's two thoughts, two thoughts here underneath thirst. Number one, remember, only living things thirst. That new creature thirst. When that born again believer is healthy, there's a thirst. There's a yearning. Now, the religious person, not so much. It's a danger sign not to have a spiritual thirst and desire for God. For it reveals there's a spiritual condition. Something's not healthy. The pulse just isn't right. The heartbeat just not right. It's an alarm. When there's no thirst, there's only living things thirst. And when there's no thirst for God, for His house, for His praises, for His Word, loving that Word, To have a form of religion without a passion for the Lord, danger sign. To be filled with facts about God, but no desire to really pursue God and praise God and learn more from the Word of God, danger sign. It's a symptom. It's a sign that something is not right and something is beginning to die. We pray, oh God, keep us thirsty for the things that matter. My soul thirsts for you. Only living things thirst. But secondly, the rewards of God, they go to the thirsty. The rewards of God, they're a prerequisite. The thirst is a prerequisite for the rewards of God. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Seek Him. Pursue Him first. And God, Hebrews 11, 6, and God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek. The reward goes to the seeker. Seek and you find. Knocking things open. Pursuing. David was in a dry, discouraging place. But he responds in a way that begins to turn his wilderness experience into a victorious experience. And he gives us insight, lessons, on how we should respond when we're forced to walk a similar path. Now, let's look at this last slide together. David's going through one of the worst episodes of his life. But he is still 
but He still controls His ability to choose His response. And He gives you and I a great example of responding wisely to the wilderness experience. Number one, I'm going to choose my words in the wilderness experience. He says, number one, I will praise thee. You see, verses 3 and 4, it's a beautiful verse. David says, because your love is better than life. Ah, my lips will praise thee. Thus will I bless thee. I'm going to lift up my hands. And you know, he chooses, as long as I live, I'm going to praise you, not because of this situation, but in defiance of this situation. I'm going to praise the Lord. Amen. I'm going to praise you, not in response to a good experience, but in response to a good, loving, and faithful God, because your love is eternal and wonderful and worthy. I'm going to praise you in the good times and praise you in the bad. He says, number one, I'm going to praise the Lord. And when I go through a wilderness, a desert time, when I go through a time that I can't avoid, it's a frustrating time and a challenging time, I can choose my words. But secondly, I can choose my thoughts and I have to choose my thoughts. You see, in verses 6 and 7, he says, I'm going to remember you. I'm going to think on you. He says, on my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. He says, I'm going to recall what you've done and what you said in the past. And I'm going to apply it to my present. I'm going to remember your past faithfulness. And it's going to revive my present faith. I'm going through a hard time. My own son's trying to murder me. He's caused a rebellion, took half of the kingdom away from me. I'm fleeing from my life. I'm an older man. I'm in the backside of a desert just wondering if I'm going to see tomorrow. But I can still think of the goodness of God. And I can still remind myself of all the things He brought me through. And all the times He's been there for me. I can encourage myself in the Lord. It might be a bad season here, but I'll think back of His goodness. I'll think back of His faithfulness. And remembering past victories gives me a present vitality to trust the Lord. Because I want someone to know God will do it again. God will do it again. The God that did it yesterday is the God that will do it today. You didn't get here by accident. You didn't get through that hellish upbringing by accident. The God was watching over you when you didn't even know Him. You didn't get through all those things you went through. Some of those things you weren't even saved. But you look back now and say, my goodness, the hand of God was good to me even when I wasn't serving Him. I got news for somebody. The God of yesterday is the same today and forever. And He's going to bring you through. He's going to see you through. You're going to have victory. You're going to have zeal. You're going to have joy in the Lord. Because the God you serve is a right now God. And if you'll praise Him in the midst of that desert season, you'll see streams gusher up of the mercy and grace of God. He said, in the presence of my enemies, you prepare a table for me. Right in the middle of that hard situation, God says, I'll come down and I'll turn it around. I'll come down and begin to work in the... I don't have to wait for you to get out of the mess to begin to bless you in the mess. But I need you to praise me. I need you to confess my name. I need you to make up your mind. You're going to praise the Lord. And you're going to think about the goodness of the Lord. And then you're going to cling and hold tightly to the Lord. I will cling to the Lord. Trials sometimes cause people to backslide. They don't show up for three weeks. They're sucking their thumb at home. Oh, not David. He's a man of God. He says, 
hell can throw everything at me, I'm going to cling to God. Hell can mock God and say, God forgot you. I'm going to cling to God. I'm staying close to God. That trial won't keep me from God. That heartache won't keep me from God. That confusion, that bad report, that lying devil, he won't keep me from God. I made up my mind. Where he lead me, I will follow. I will walk with this God. I will stay close to this God. Oh, blessed be his name. Hallelujah. Woo! Feel like I'm 35 again. My Lord, have mercy. I'm going to feel about 75 in an hour, but that's all right. I'm going to enjoy it while the Spirit's here. Amen? While that Spirit's with me. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hey! Hallelujah. Oh, glory. Woo! Yeah. Woo, glory. Choose you this day, not only who you will serve, but how you will serve him. How you will represent him. How you will pursue and cling and stand for him. Hallelujah. Many things in life you and I have no control over. But our response of faith and our choice of attitude is something that only we have and no one else can. And David gives us a wonderful pattern, a wonderful example. Let's follow David's pattern and let's allow God to release dreams in our desert. Let's make up our mind, regardless of what happens. <laughs> I will praise Him. And I will remember Him. And I will cling and hold tightly to Him. Even here, even now, regardless of what. Can you say amen? Stand with me, please. Stand with me, please. Hallelujah. We're going to open the altar. We're going to praise the Lord. Has God been good to you? Then give Him some praise, man. Give Him some praise. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Maybe you're in a wilderness experience this morning and you just need to come and drink. I encourage you, before you go, come and drink. Come to the altar and just praise Him and just pray and let someone pray with you. Get a drink. Get a drink. You feeling dehydrated? It's a little earlier than normal, so you got a couple of minutes. You got a couple of minutes. You're feeling sometimes spiritually dehydrated. That's why you pass out so quick. You need a drink. That desert will zap your strength if you don't stay drinking. Amen? That heat, that heat takes away your strength if you don't keep drinking. Maybe you're going into a desert. Number one, make sure your heart's right with God. If you're here today and you've never received Jesus, don't leave. Come down. Someone will pray with you.
Receive Jesus as your Savior. That's the most important thing. And maybe you're here today and you've gone through wildernesses in your life and those wildernesses have embittered you and really just stole some things from you. This isn't in the notes. I believe God wants to restore some things that maybe you once had, but the wilderness stole from you. Some people go through the wilderness and they make it physically, they make it half emotionally, but they lose something there. And God says, maybe we can reclaim. Maybe it was that joy. Maybe it was that passion. Maybe it was that confidence. Maybe it was that willingness just to worship. But in the wilderness, something was lost. Something was let go. And I believe the Lord would like to restore what the enemy has stolen and make it fresh again and make it joyful again. Make sure your heart's right with God. If you're in a wilderness, come and get a drink. If you've lost something along the way, say, Lord, I want to get my song back. I want to get that joy back. I want to get that peace back. I want to get that whatever it was. If you're here today and you just need prayer, you just want to come and pray and praise the Lord. It's early. He's worthy. This God is our God. And He's worthy of it all. Amen? Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, I ask You to bless Your dear ones this morning. Let this be a week of refreshing and renewing. I pray that those right now that might have come in with a heaviness, Lord, let that heaviness just begin. If it hasn't done so already, Father, let it begin to lessen. Let it begin to lighten. Let it begin to evaporate. Father, help us to respond properly to the trials of life. To follow the example you've given us through your servant David. And now, O oh God, as we draw near and praise you, as we make this altar time a holy experience, drawing near and praising You and calling on You. Father, in Jesus' name, please work powerfully, thoroughly in the lives of Your people. Heal every wounded heart. Refresh every weary soul. Let peace come to minds that are weighed down with confusion and anxiety. And let all those that are thirsty come and receive a refreshing and a refilling that they might leave strong and vibrant, ready to take on the world. Father, let this altar time be especially blessed this morning. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, if you need prayer, you want to come and pray, come quickly. It's early. Come and praise the Lord. Let God touch you. Let God work in your life.